Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Tuesday, February 19th, 2013. I'm your host, Kitsy Stern, and I produce this podcast as an act of loving service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Well, I'm just back from the Denver Chant Fest, and what an incredible weekend we had. The event was held at the Sherman Street Event Center, which is an old Masonic temple that was built in 1906. It was just a treat for the eyes, with beautiful artistry in wood and old fixtures everywhere. The music was recorded in the fourth floor theater, which had a big domed ceiling and great acoustics. The live stream got off to a rocky start, but we figured things out and almost 300 people were there chanting and doing yoga with us from around the world this weekend. There were familiar faces in the vendor village like Manoj from Bhaktifest. The vendors were located on the first floor where there was also a food court with wonderful food. All of us felt well cared for and loved. The festival was exceptionally well organized by producers Dakini Jager and Eric Viano. And I know it's just the beginning of the beginning for them as festival event producers. Dave Stringer set is the first of the podcasts I'll release from the Denver Chant Fest. I recorded a lot of good material, most of the music, and several of the classes and presentations, so stay tuned. If you like what you hear, the Denver Chant Fest has now opened advanced registration for 2014. The link is at the New World Kirtan website. It was an honor to be there. Denver rocks. Please enjoy Friday night at the Denver Chant Fest. Namaste. Sarabatu, Sarabatu, 
we started, I think, almost every show for 10 years with that particular opening mantra. And when we change it up, people are like, what happened? But conceptually, it keeps being this thing that I return to again and again. Shidananda Rupa, Shiboham, Shiboham means my essential nature is consciousness and bliss. Consciousness remains a mystery to me. And bliss, an ephemeral thing that flickers and then dies. And until I can find myself fully invested in bliss, I'm going to keep singing it, because singing is the fastest way to get there. What? What is consciousness is essentially the fundamental question that we are both asking and answering by singing together. Consciousness is something we're all pretty sure we have, but we don't know where it comes from. And we don't know where it is either. But I know that when we sing together, I have an experience of how it appears to be something that connects us together, something that each of us can influence and be influenced by. I know that no matter what kind of mood I start out in, I will always end up feeling better when I sing. So here we go. The words are up there for those of you who are not Sanskrit fluent yet. And what I really like about the Sanskrit is that if you sang it in English, you'd go, it sounds like a summer camp song. Because <laughs> this just means bolo, sing. Sadmila, everybody. Sing, sing, everybody sing. <laughs> right? It's better this way, right? <laughs> and Om Mashvai is a mantra that I keep returning to because it points us to our relationship to infinity. It's full of infinite sounds. Oh, and the mean, and ah, and These are sounds that sustain, and they also get you really buzzed. So don't take my word for it. Yoga is not asking us to believe in anything. It's asking us to dive into the experience of everything. So if you've never done this before, we sing in a call and response fashion. You're my band, we're your band. At some point, the distinction between audience and performer, world, and observer of the world disappears. So my advice to you is sing loudly, boldly, in tune, out of tune, in time, out of time. It doesn't matter. At some point or another, this all resolves into one.
we're going to change some really tricky and really cool finesse chance. And uh, it's probably a good thing that the projector's working, because uh, I kind of have trouble remembering it. But um, Ganesh uh, is representative of our relationship to our obstacles. And I was once on tour with, uh, with a very famous and now somewhat fallen yoga teacher, and I'll let you guys figure out who that is. <laughs> uh, and uh, he asked me to uh, introduce a Ganesh chant to the crowd. And I think we were in Atlanta, and there were hundreds of people there. And I said, you know, in yoga, the teacher is the obstacle. <laughs> I meant to say in yoga, the obstacle is the teacher. But um, there's an old jazz thing that if you make a mistake, do it again. And that was the thing. So I thought, well, it came out. I'll just say it again. So I look right at him and I said, no, in yoga, the teacher is the obstacle. And there was a very long pause. And actually, a pretty quick uptake because the response was, yes. When you make the teacher, when you put the teacher up on a pedestal, you give your power away. Yoga is about reclaiming your power. We're all the teacher. We're all the student. The power that we're seeking is one that's inherently within all of us. So when you honor the teacher, you also honor yourself. It's a thing that's important to keep in mind as we open the yoga festival. And there are many great teachers whose names are on the poster, but it's worth remembering that there are many great teachers that are sitting right next to you. So that's essentially the content but let's learn it, okay? So probably best to wrap it before we sing it, okay? So <laughs> it's easy to like, just put a groove on it. It's gonna go like this. Gaja nanga, hey. Gaja nanga. Thank you. 
say the world's strongest force is not electromagnetism or gravity. It's the love of a mother for her child. If you don't believe that, try and get between the mother and her child and watch what happens. And it's funny, in modern life we become so alienated and there's this perception that somehow the Earth's fine, except for the humans. But we came from the Earth, and we're headed back there, too. And why is it that we think that we're not loved? There's a relationship between fierceness Fierceness and truthfulness, compassion also and truthfulness. 
same force that brought us here will also remove us. Oh, oh, oh. 
So I got kicked out of an ashram once. <laughs> I guess it was a good thing. Huh? Um, and uh, they actually said, Dave, it's not a rock concert. <laughs> Since I was being kicked out already, I said, you're wrong. It totally is. And, I, and actually, I thought, I'm just going to dig into the history of this and find out what was really happening, because everybody's all namaste with me, but, you know, like, <laughs> hey, as it turned out, the history of the yoga movement is actually, it started with people taking this stuff to the streets. It was raucous and rebellious in the most beautiful way, because this thing we call yoga was, was bound up in temples and in special castes that, that could know about yoga. Yoga's message was one of universality about how love is in everyone and everything. No matter how much money you have, no matter what your social station is, no matter what your gender or preferences are, in everyone. So if it belongs to everyone, why are you keeping it in the temple? So they brought it out to the streets and they made up little pop songs and people sang along. Really simple mantras. And like they made a lot of noise and it caused a lot of upset. So my retort was really, I was like, you know what? This is the tradition. If you're getting upset by our joy, great. <laughs> is it causing you to think differently? Great. Because yoga 
was always shocking. It's still shocking. I mean, when you think about it, what a radical message. That everybody's equal, that the joy is the thing that connects us together, that everything comes from love and it goes back there too. What a beautiful message. But it can't be bound up inside a church. It can't be kept inside your heart either. It wants to be expressed. So I went from being terrified of singing Krishna loving like at the point that I realized that the yoga conception of the universe was that you are the thing you're seeking, that the divides inside of you and your own problems is your gay. That's all. All you can. How do you get it? Sing louder. <laughs>
Okay, let me see, we have time for one more, and let me see if I can introduce this band. Uh, Jeff Andrews, Mark Gorman, Taz Rashid, Jim Beckwith, Kini was back there somewhere. Um, Guyanne, Tyler Pike, Jen Peters, Chuck White, Steve Frost, Joey Allen, Solray. of like at some point when I was like okay I think I'm on to something here this, this is like very affirming to me it was that moment but um, Tukaram uh, has an amazing story if you can ever read any of his Avangas they're really powerful and they're still sung uh, they're mostly in the Marathi language but uh, he was known for being a great lover of the divine and a great poet but he was really bad at holding a job and um, it happens you know <laughs> Most of us are musicians because we really can't do anything else. <laughs> so we try. You know? um, but uh, at the time, to live in a, in a town meant you, know, you really had to contribute in some ways that were material. People were more interested in their stomachs being fed than their hearts. So they said, you know, you got to go, dude. And they probably didn't say dude. But, you know, uh, uh, but uh, either contribute in a material way or you know, leave. Leaving was really kind of a death sentence at that time, so he said, all right, what do you want me to do? And they said, throw all of your poems into the river, throw your whole life's work away. And he went, comes from God, goes to God. It's inexhaustible. Okay. So he starts throwing his poems in the river, one by one, and they start washing down. People start picking them out, you know, like you're doing your washing. 
showing up, right? So then people start singing, and after a while, nobody's doing their work. <laughs> just like singing. And um, so word gets back to Dehu that, you know, these are Tukaram's poems, and now he's very famous. And so what did they do? They were like, oh, let's build a temple. <laughs> we can make some money. <laughs> uh, but the temple is still there, and that's really powerful. But the thing that I love about his story was his willingness to give it away. We have a problem in this country that we think it's about getting and having. And it's not. It's about giving. And somehow our economy is based upon taking, and we haven't figured out how to really value giving. But at the end of the day, isn't that what's important? When they reduce your life down to one inch of like type, you know, in some obituary, they're not going to say, she took. <laughs> Unless you really, really took. Unless you're like Bernie Madoff or something like that. You know? But most people are going to remember for what they gave. That's really what we value. And strangely, the things that are worth the most, we value the least. And the things that are unuseful, we value the most. Think about it. It's crazy. So I want to leave this on the tone of this, that love is not about getting. It's about giving. And if you don't think you have anything, well, start giving and you'll see what's really inside of you. So Vital is another name for Krishna. And if you don't see what's bright and beautiful about you, what's intelligent and compassionate, now, then serve somebody else and see if you can find it in them. And then in that process of giving, see if you can give it to yourself and see who you really are.